What is going on at FA Nation? My name is Justin Fensterman along with Matt Sells, Ryan Hallam. It is the Family Times podcast here on FantasyAlarm.com. Coming off of our second staff mock draft and getting oh so closer to that start of the 2022 fantasy football season. It is going to be exciting. You got your free draft guide. You got your free cheat sheet. All you need is a free account, and it's all free, and that's consistency right there. Ryan, what's going on? How you doing? Not too much, man. Two weeks from tonight, we will uh, be popping beers and watching regular season football, so getting excited for it. It's the, uh, the time of year where I just can't wait for it to start. There's so many drafts, so many mock drafts, so many people's prognostications. I'm ready to just see how it plays out. Selzy, what's good with you? Uh, about the same, except uh, I get a little bit of football fever earlier here in Lincoln because on Saturday the Huskers play Northwestern in Dublin which hopefully will be an L for the Huskers so I can watch people mope internationally for a while because that's just fun to do here um but yeah I mean you know other than that just watching the uh debut of Kate Cavalli for my nationals on Friday that should be fun too yes Sells is also a Yankees fan too in case you forgot about that but yeah Let's not forget as well, we also have a guest with us. He said we had a mock draft last night. One of the participants who was actually co-hosting the Lightning Round live stream uh, powered by FantasyAlarm.com. And you can catch it on YouTube, Twitter. Britt Flynn joins us once again on the Family Times podcast to talk about some of the latest ADP trends when it comes to where players are going. Some of the players she drafted, players she's in and out on Britt, what's going on? Welcome back to the show. Uh, thanks for having me. You guys are always so much fun. Um, yeah, it's this final push before regular season starts. Like we have so much more analysis to cram into these two weeks to figure out if we're right or wrong and what's going to happen in week one. Um, so, yeah, I'm super ready for it. Yes, yeah, so and Britt has been very active in our debate series that we have on FantasyAlarm.com as well. So make sure you check that out. A lot of writing, a lot of content. This is what we do. We are a family, a family that sticks together, wins together. Before we started the episode, we were just taking a little bit of a look at the draft board from last night's mock draft. And here's the thing. PPR setup was 20 rounds, starting three wide receivers, three flexes too, a lot of actually flexes. And the big decision that I had to make in the second round, and I mulled over this one, and I ended up choosing Tyreek Hill over Debo Samuel, and the lightning round live stream laid me out with a lightning bolt, or at least Andrew Cooper did, saying he's not sure he would have made the pick. And then as we were just talking about, Britt, you were wondering the same thing. So, Britt, let me ask you, and then, guys, get your opinions as well on where you stand regarding Debo Samuel versus Tyreek Hill. Britt, what were your thoughts, and why would you pick maybe Samuel over Hill in that regard? Well, we don't really know what we have in Hill in this Miami offense. We don't really know how run heavy it's going to be. We don't know how the targets are going to be distributed. And I get that there's a little bit of that uncertainty with Debo, with Trey Lance under center. And, you know, are they going to use him as a wide back? But overall, I feel like Debo is the better pick because we we know what we've got with him. Um, And then there's that whole, you know, kind of cognitive dissonance going on with Tua going so late in drafts like if people don't believe in him how do they believe in Hill um so it's pretty close to me um but Samuel still has the edge there um yeah 
<clears throat> Go ahead, man. I will politely disagree. I would take Hill over Samuel. Uh, a, Trey Lance is supposed to run more than he's supposed to pass at this point, right? Like, that's that's the anticipation. That's what people are banking I, on. I disagree with that, but that seems to be the rumors going around. I mean, people are kind of taking him for the rush yards, right? They're Yeah, but, I mean, you think he's going to run 19 times and throw 17 times? I mean, I, I mean, look, it's the next. shocked if the offense is made that way. Okay, but you're also talking about a, the – very run-heavy plug-and-play offense in San Francisco. And what is the thing that everybody says Tua does well? Throw the deep ball. What does Hill do? Run really fast and really deep routes. And by the way, there's talk that they're going to trade Mike Gesicki, so there's more targets out of the way. I don't think you trade for Tyreek Hill and give him a massive contract extension and then ignore him in the offense because you have a second-year guy in Jalen Waddle who, yeah, Looked really good last year. But you're talking about Tyreek Hill, who is a guy who is like a top five receiver every year in fantasy. And now he comes to a Miami offense in a prove-it year for Tua. And, I mean, I don't know. I'm taking Hill over Samuel at this point. I like Hill. Uh, not quite here. Uh, there's at least a couple more receivers I would take in front of him. Uh, but I'm going to side with Britt on this one. Uh, if you talk about giving Tyreek Hill a big contract, well, San Francisco just doled one out to Debo Samuel as well. Uh, and I know the Internet's new thing on Trey Lance is he doesn't have an arm, but I don't know who those people are or if they've ever seen him throw a football. I think it's because, like, all the other running quarterbacks, like Jalen Hurts, aren't really good at throwing the ball. They just assume that he's another running quarterback who doesn't throw very well. But the kid's got a cannon. Where it's going, it, you know, that might be a little bit more for debate. But so far, uh, it's certainly he's uh, exceeding expectations in camp. Uh, and Samuel is just the heartbeat of the offense, uh, running the ball, catching the ball. Uh, you know, he's a running back. And when he gets the ball in his hands, he's tough to take down because he's just such a big guy. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not disparaging Hill. I just like Samuel better. Okay. It was tough. It was very tough for me. But when I was on the clock and sitting there again, and I was just telling you guys before, I thought that Debo wouldn't be relied on as a runner as much because I, I do personally think that Lance, not saying that Lance doesn't have a good arm or anything like that, or the capability. I just think that Lance is a pretty good runner and that's naturally going to take away from Debo a little bit. And look, I, I'm not going to be all, I know when it comes to ADP with Brandon, Ayuk, his he's been rising a lot. I'm trying to figure out why I'm guessing it's because of what most reasons are the reports out of camp from this beat writer, that beat writer, and you start to see two or three of them, and boom, it happens. You're starting to see Brees Hall drop because one reporter said that Michael Carter is still the top guy there. But, you know, that's how it goes in our world. And at the end of the day, I do believe in something that Sell said and a lot of what I've been reading and hearing as well from the Miami Beats on different stations because I'm always surfing around trying to listen to – I love listening to content, shocker. but. This is the proving year for Tua. And Tyreek Hill is going to be heavily utilized. And not to say we're in the danger zone in the early going or anything, but it, it does make me wonder. Apparently, Jalen Waddle has been dealing with some kind of injury, and he's missed about two weeks of practice. So I don't know. I mean, we don't, we're not in the danger zone yet. This is nothing as we see long term. But at the end of the day, you get Tyreek Hill, you'll utilize him. 
which is as well what I think about Devontae Adams, which in our mock draft, I was just, just surprised that he slipped to 17th overall in a full PPR. I had not seen him. And I look on draft boards all day like I'm a freaking stockbroker, Britt. And I am seeing him get drafted in the first round in just about every single draft. I'm not even seeing him get drafted 13th. In our staff mock draft, he gets drafted 17th overall, Britt. I mean, you took C.D. Lamb before Adams. Was that a big debate you were having when you were on the clock? It's in my rankings. I have Lamb going as the fifth wide receiver, so I just stayed consistent to my rankings. I think, you know, Dallas is going to have to throw the ball. They don't really have anybody else in that offense, whereas Adams is competing with Waller and Renfro for targets. Um, I actually did debate. I had the 12th pick, so on the turn about taking Adams and just doing a double wide receiver, but I had to balance it out and take Mixon. Um, kind of in hindsight, maybe I should have stacked Lamb and Adams, but um, I just think Lamb's going to have the better overall season. Yeah, I, I'm not sure the debate is is Lamb over Adams. I think it's Colby taking Stephon Diggs. That's a big, Adams. yeah. I was more shocked at that one. Like, Mike. Lamb and Adams are basically even to me. You could split hairs. You could take them back to back. One could go in front of the other. It doesn't. I mean, yes, getting Adams at 17th overall is falling, right? But, look, Britt's got to trust her rankings. That's why she does them. She has C.D. Lamb. Doesn't hurt that she's a Cowboys fan, right? He's going to have a huge year. They drafted him to be that elite wide receiver one. And, yes, I know people love Josh Allen, but going Stephon Diggs over Devontae Adams, I'm not sure I would have pulled the trigger there, nor would I have done – DeAndre Swift over Devontae Adams, to be perfectly honest there, Coop, to throw some shade on your wide receiver picks. Um, yeah, that those are the two. I think it's the two guys in front of Britt that passed on Adams and not Lamb over Adams. What do you think, Ryan, of all this? I mean, I just to me, I think Adams has a, a very good chance of being the overall number one receiver. I know Justin uh, Jefferson and Chase are huge, and people I don't understand people drafting Cup that early. There's no way he's going to have three thousand catches and four million yards like he did last year. You know why they're doing it though? They're thinking yeah. if, even if he has a fifteen percent regression, he's still going to be a top dog. I guess uh, I'd rather have a few other receivers ahead of him. I just think I've just watched Adams for so many years and he just gets open and he just gets the ball. And I know he's on a new team, but again, it, it, everything was unloaded to bring him there. I, and I think Hunter Renfro is, is the one who's going to take the huge hit here uh, out of everyone. We hope Darren Waller can stay healthy, but Adams is just a target machine. Like you just, it doesn't even matter where you throw it. He catches it. And he's kind of went from one good quarterback to another really good quarterback and I just think he's he's a sh almost a shoe in for a hundred catches. Yeah, and his best friend, by the way. Like, do people forget that Devontae Adams and Derek Carr are best friends? They were high school, like they were college teammates, and they've literally been trying to play with each other for the last two or three seasons in the pros. Yeah, but have so, they been working? It's great that they're BFFs, but at you know the same time, have they been working out together in the off season? I mean, you know, was that has that been reported? It's one thing if you're friends with someone, but you know, a lot changes in they hang out all the time. Okay, I didn't know. Maybe I didn't know if they were working out together or anything like that. Who knows? Maybe they're playing, they they're playing ran, Xbox. I think they actually ran drills with each other when Adams was still with the Packers. Okay, so you see that makes sense then. But 
even you know a lot of people are just saying the argument oh they had they had it in college and you know it's like and everything like that but that was years ago and i hate to make this comparison and you guys can crush me with this but didn't we think at one point many years ago that andrew luck and kobe fleener being on the same team was going to be a magical connection both out of the same same draft i believe same team nothing happened well not quite okay. the same talent level yeah kobe fleener's a little lower on the talent. I know, but i'm just saying they had a connection they played together they had familiarity people who are arguing they played together in college car and adams that was years ago people change but we can go to the burrow chase argument if you want to play the other side we'll always play the other side that's the thing <laughs> that's what we do yeah, we'll see. I mean, as far as the Adams Lamb thing, I just feel it's a it's a Bob Long consistency thing. Like we, there were some games, and I know the Cooper's gone, so things will be different. But there were some games where where Lamb kind of disappeared. Where to me, I feel like there's no week where Devontae Adams disappears. So that to me, it's the consistency factor to me. Uh, where I've seen Adams do it for a number of years. I love Lamb's talent, uh, but I'm waiting to see that humongous year between the two so again like the hill debo pick i'm not crapping on lamb i just would prefer someone else ahead of them that's all yeah that's totally fine i mean when we're looking down this draft i mean Britt, you also drafted ramondre stevenson i mean what are you what are your expectations because even though i mean we're reading that he could be utilized even a little bit in the passing game as well i still kind of have my eye on Damian Harris and watching him drop and drop and drop. But what are your thoughts on Stevenson this year? I think that he's going to kind of emerge as that primary back in this committee. I know that everybody keeps talking about so-and-so is going to fill the James White role. That's just not going to happen. Nobody's going to have a James White role, but these backs are still going to get some target share. And I think Stevenson is coming up. You know, he's got another year of experience. Um, I just like him and his talent better than I do Harris. And so it's just a personal preference. I think they're really close in my rankings, honestly. So um, depends on if you want to get value with uh, with Harris. I mean, I think he went in round eight here, and I took Stevenson in round six. So I probably could have waited and gotten Harris, but I just I have a gut feeling that Stevenson's going to have a great year. Are you going to go with Matt Patricia calling plays? Uh. Yeah, that whole situation does worry me a little bit. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm just gonna I'm gonna let it ride. I'm gonna go with the gut. It was also the sixth round, so it was later. It wasn't like you took him in the third. But I agree. With, go back to the James White role for a second. Here's another thing I'm tired of. Every time a coach says something, oh well, who's gonna fill the no, James White? They haven't James White hasn't been a thing in years. Like that's just not a thing. It was a really nice thing between him and Brady, where he was like caught seventy passes as a running back. But it's just there's not a James White role anymore. That's over. It's like it, and oh, they go to Miami. Who's gonna play the Debo Samuel role? It doesn't have to be these coaches. I understand they all have tendencies, but it's not like oh they come into their new place. Okay, who's gonna be my Debo or who's gonna be? It doesn't always work that way, and I don't think – I think Stevenson probably will catch more passes than, than Damian Harris, obviously, because Harris isn't much of a pass catcher. But it doesn't have to be a running back in New England that catches 70 passes. Maybe I went off for no reason, but that's been bothering me. <laughs> no, I think it's 
very valid because everybody wants to put like just a sheet of tracing paper over an offense and then move them over to another team. And it doesn't work that way. So yeah, I get that frustration for sure. I spent too much time on Twitter. I mean, it's like asking who's going to follow the uh, Cordero Patterson role wherever the hell he's been. Well, what was that until last year? <laughs> right. Exactly. Like, that's and that's something big. It's like you can't always chase last year. It, in fact, it, I feel like it's easier. Ready for this? It's easier to chase it in baseball and basketball than it is in football. I've noticed, and that's because more of a sample size. And in football, you don't have that. You you will have a limited amount of games, and that's why it's you know you can't always think. Well, this guy did this last year. Well, what if they're in a different offense? <clears throat> well, I mean, yeah, I. I as regards to chasing previous years in other sports, like baseball, your system doesn't really change, right? Like you're, the lineup might, but you're still going to go out there and face guys throwing the same right. combination of five or six pitches, right? For football, maybe they had a super easy schedule and none of the teams they played lived up to what they were supposed to do. And so guys went off and put up big years. And if you replayed that exact same schedule this year, there's no guarantee they do the exact same thing because there's new coaches, new systems, new players, new tweaks. And, you know, every year certain teams rise up. Did we expect the Washington defense to suck the way it did last year? No. Everybody had them as the top three defense coming into fantasy football last year. And then they laid a complete egg every week. They were terrible. <laughs> so, well, and then to build on that, thinking about like weather. Like baseball and basketball don't play in weather. Like what to to that extent did that contribute to it? You know, there's just too many factors in football to go from year to year. Exactly. So that that's that's a fair point brought up. Now, if you want to get guys that are dropping in ADP because they're coming off of injuries from last year, that's a pretty nice draft strategy. Because then you're gonna get value from guys that are, you know, should outproduce what they did the previous year assuming they stay healthy. Yeah, it's weird to think there was a time when we could get Saquon Barkley in the middle of the third round. Now, barely getting him. I mean, in this draft that we did last night, he went second round. But seeing him go in the first round a lot now towards the end, right at that end, and just interesting what draft stock does and how quickly things change. It really is. It's something I got to bring up, guys, it's been pissing me off. Just pissing me the hell off. And you mentioned Twitter, Ryan, and I've been seeing this all over this damn site. And because news breaks on it, we got to stay on. And that's and because of the engagement, we got to stick with it, even though it's a lot of BS. And the, it's the whole thing regarding when it came down to, you know, what I was going to bring up with DeAndre Swift and Dalvin Cook. One of the things that just pisses me off is I'm looking in the third round and I'm seeing articles out on Twitter of sleepers picked in the third round, sleepers picked in the fourth round. That's not a sleeper to me. And I feel like a lot of people in this industry get confused a breakout versus a sleeper. And I talked about this with Ronus on Alarm After Hours because I just want to say this. Michael Pittman is not a sleeper. He's not. <laughs> He's not. He's a it wasn't last year, I don't think. <laughs> he's he's not. And it's it's just it's I feel like sleepers are players that we're seeing go in at least the double digit rounds and rounds eleven and twelve, something and beyond that. That that's where to me 
a sleeper is. I mean, Britt, you're all over Twitter as well. You're constantly making takes, but I mean, you got to be seeing some ridiculous players being called sleepers. Yeah, like Darnell Mooney being called a sleeper. Like you brought up Pittman. Like I think Rashad Bateman's been referred to as a sleeper. You know, like guys who are number one on their team are Brandon being referred Brooks to I've seen as a sleeper. Do what? I said I've seen Brandon Cooks as a sleeper. Yeah, I'm like, these guys are the wide receiver one on their teams. They are not sleepers. It's not even just the round that they're going in, but it's the role on their team. You know, like I don't even even consider Christian Kirk a sleeper. And he's been going, you know, in rounds nine or 10 in some drafts, but he's the wide receiver one on his team. So he can't be a sleeper when you're getting into that. Like you're looking for wide receiver two breakouts, people who are going in double digits. Like there's a whole bunch of factors. And I think it's honestly like just kind of lazy analysis. But I I don't know. I think it's people that are hopping on. Well, nobody wants to draft anybody from Jacksonville's offense. Nobody wants to draft anybody from Chicago's offense. Nobody wants to draft anybody from Detroit's offense outside of Amon Ross St. Brown or DeAndre Swift, I guess. So, like, maybe that's their argument is that everybody thinks Jacksonville's going to suck. So Christian Kirk must be a sleeper because he sucked in Arizona, although not really. And now he's going to go to Jacksonville. Okay, but Jacksonville is going to be a lot better than anybody thinks because they got rid of their disaster of a head coach, right? Like, and the division still isn't good. I don't, I don't know if anybody missed the memo, but that division is not good. <laughs> so, what? Um, what do you mean? <laughs> I the mean, four win projected Texans aren't going to be a very tough opponent. I mean, Davis Mills' neck might cover more ground than their run game this year. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, and then you've got who knows what happens in Tennessee. I mean, obviously, Traylon Burks is there. You, you know, we got a super. Damian Pierce, not a sleeper. No. He's not. No, didn't start a, the main preseason game. You basically know he's their number one running back. And people, people, yeah. And he's moving up like crazy. You know, he's costing single digit rounds and beyond. He's going eighth round, I'm seeing in some drafts. Believe. Howard Bender, I think, took him in the seventh in our mock draft. He's yeah. not a sleeper. <laughs> People are going to continue to say, Damian Pierce is a sleeper. And it's very easy. Let me ask you this. Are rookies in consideration for sleepers? Because is it really fair? You haven't seen them before. I think they, could be, they could be in consideration for sleepers, sure, but... I'm not going to consider Burks a sleeper or Drake London a sleeper or any of these top tier rookies. You know, I'm thinking even Romeo Dubs has gained some, you know, some traction in ADP ranks. I think he went in round 12 here. So still technically he could be considered one, but, you know, Tolbert may be a sleeper, but he's also got a lot of juice. It just depends on the offseason buzz. But I'm definitely not talking about, you know, the first five rookies off the board as being sleepers. Was that after Dub after it came out that Dubs was getting one on one lunches with Aaron Rodgers? <laughs> yeah, breakfast there. That's amazing. That is amazing right there. I love that. Yeah, went jogging. Alec Pierce went jogging with Matt Ryan seven of the last eight days. Move him up five rounds. Jahan Dotson, that's a sleeper. Mm-hmm. That's, and even he's getting a little bit of juice now. But that's a sleeper right there. You know, someone that is being drafted still in the double-digit rounds that isn't going to have, at least in my opinion, I know Logan Thomas is back, 
not going to have too much competition for targets, at least in my opinion. I love McLaurin, too. This is a guy you're going to get late. That's a sleeper. Ramondre Stevenson is not a sleeper. Yep. Right, Ryan? You've been in this business since the beginning of time. <laughs> yeah, there's two schools of thought. To me, it has to be someone who's not – you're not drafting as part of your starting lineup. Like one of your top three wide receivers is not someone who's considered a sleeper. Uh, but it, it, it's double-edged sword. I think so many people, as we always talk about Twitter, you know, feel like everyone is people who are on there 24-7 doing all this crazy stuff that we do and – 90% of players are still pretty casual. Uh, but yes, I agree with what you're saying. Like just, it, it's, it's just people needing, feeling the need to have their opinion in the public 24 hours a day because they think they're so much more important than they actually really are. Right. So just be careful because when it comes to sleepers that are being drafted in the third, fourth, fifth round, those are not sleepers, all right? Maybe they have a chance to be top three and you think they're going to be a breakout performer that's an entirely different conversation but just be careful with what you see out there sleepers double digit rounds from what you're seeing on draft boards and the big lesson here is if you want to go after someone and it's an over you go after them that's the thing you have to go after the players that you believe in and let's get down to the family table here we all bring something to the family table and with that cells let's start with you what are you bringing to the family tops family table what I'm bringing to the table is just a little bit of note about taking your health, you know, putting your health first. Uh, it's a busy time of year, right? Every Obviously, everybody's focused on fantasy football right now, but we've got kids going back to school for parents. We've got, you know, if you've been off for the summer because you're a teacher, now you're back to work and there's activities going on. My kids are in soccer and dance and playing with friends and busy time of year for sports and work and everything. You have to be able to take a break and step back and take a day if you need it. Um, you know, my wife deals with some of this stuff. She took a day earlier this week because she needed it. And that morning she woke up feeling guilty. She took a day because somebody else called out and they were sick. No, you got to deal with you. Let other people figure out if, other things happen during the day that's not your fault. So if things are getting, you know, built up in you and you can't deal with stuff, just take a day. Step back for a day. It's perfectly fine because if you don't, it only gets worse. It's never going to – you're never going to be able to catch up. So just take a day and relax and get back on track. That's some pretty good advice right there. I feel like it was personally addressed to me, so <laughs> – That was deep, Cells. That was very deep, as someone like you who doesn't take many days off. Nope. I, I mean, I worked, I don't know, from 2020 through 2021, I think I worked. We get the rap, Cells. We know how hard you work, okay? We have everybody. Even so, like, a couple of weeks ago, I emailed in. I was like, look, I'm not feeling right. I'm taking the day. Anybody needs me, I'll get it tomorrow. Right? Like, yeah. There is nothing that's so do or die important that you can't take a day and push it to tomorrow if you're not feeling at the top of your game. Amen. We did it in the middle of training camp. Come on, people. You can take a day. You could do it. You could take You got it. Hey, it, you're right. It all does come down to your health. And 
you got to sometimes step back. You're right. You got to, you just got to get refreshed, you know, just like an internet page. Britt Flynn, thank you so much for joining us. Number one in the chaotic family times podcast here, but want to see what you're bringing to the table. So I just want to take a second and talk about beat writers. You know, last year we had the beat writers in San Francisco telling us that Trey Sermon was going to be the number one guy. And now he's apparently on the chopping block. We've got the Jets beat writers out here telling us that Michael Carter's the number one. When they went out and drafted Brees Hall, gets everybody in a tizzy. Traylon Burt saying that he's working with the twos and threes while omitting the fact that that was after he had taken the reps with the ones. Like, I know that you guys are out here trying to get, you know, clicks on your articles and trying to inform the public. But please tell the whole story because the fantasy community as a whole overreacts to everything. And I'm tired of them overreacting to a one sentence blurb that's not full of all the facts. So can we just stop it, beat writers? Come on. Yeah, this reminds me of two tweets I saw, I think, last week or the week before, where there was a picture of a guy. I don't think it was a running back who the beat writer said he was working out with like extra pad on his ankle or something or a taped ankle, and the and the player quote tweeted it and said, it was just a hard pad, man. It's pretty standard equipment. And then there was another one where the beat writer said, oh, this guy left the team meeting early and whatever, and the, the player quote tweeted and said, yeah, man, I had to pee. So, like, <laughs> you're, you're spreading these rumors that guys are running around injured or leaving early, and it's just natural stuff happening. Did you see what happened a couple of months ago with Javon Kinlaw? And the beat, the beat. Oh yeah, great. Yeah, the Whatever. beat before Greg. That guy's, a, that guy's a clown. Yeah. He, everything he does is the he's the worst. I well, blocked him on Twitter, right. and he he goes so my team. Like a big wig media guy in in the San Francisco sports market. I, I forgot what his name is. Like, I think Lowell Cone or something like that. Grant. Grant. Well, Grant is the son, but the father is this. Oh, I was known, unaware of the son's father. Sports meet. He's this known sports writer in San Francisco, okay. but. This yeah, but this guy he you know was saying stuff about Kinlaw, and then Kinlaw actually approached him and was like, pretty much say it to my face, and then Grant Cohn did a video right after a selfie video talking trash about the guy, what the about the guy, what the guy did, and then invited him onto his live stream. Didn't think he'd come. Javon Kinlaw shows up. They have words going back and forth, and a whole meeting needed to be had in the GM's office the next day to squash the beef and everything like that. And then, you know, Greg Cohn's like, oh, Javon, he, he, he's so nice. We, we thank him for being respectful. He was really, yeah. Like, but yeah, that's what happens when you talk crap. You know, approach you. That's, that's so, I hear you when it comes to the beat writers, especially the ones that try to be fantasy analysts as well. That's what makes it even more frustrating when what they're prognosticating as beat writers, as team beat reporters, what they're prognosticating in our world doesn't come true. It's one thing if you're talking about it from the NFL standpoint, you start going after the fantasy audience. Yeah, we're going to go after you if you're wrong and you're trying to go after us with clickbait. So I'm with you on that, Britt, with beat writers. Ryan, what are you bringing to the table? Uh, I don't have a lot, so I'm just I'm not going to promote any wacky thing that I do. So I'm going to say we need – I don't know if anyone's in that this year, but if you're in a league that wants to use standard scoring, just leave the league. We have to abolish standard scoring. No one wants to do that anymore. 
it was what it was in the 90s when I started, and it's just, it's just dumb. So please, the only way we can root out this evil is to just leave it. If, if someone wants to do a league with standard scoring, just be like, what are you doing? No. So that's my, that's my thought. Standard scoring has to go half point or full point, but I'm, that standard scoring is just stupid. Why is it even called standard scoring? It should be called substandard scoring. Maybe we should change it to that. That's 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 my new substandard scoring. It's the worst. I mean, no one should use it. Stop it. But why though? It's a passing like, league. It does. It just doesn't know. It just doesn't take the the game into consideration correctly for me anymore. It, it's there needs to be some sort of. Uh, reward for a part of the game which is catching a pass but you are rewarded you get points for the yards you get by catching a pass but what if you didn't go any yards then you shouldn't get any points but you still caught the ball that's your job you're a a standard scoring person self i mean i prefer but i like both i could play in either i don't really care but i'm just saying like if you if a guy catches 10 passes but they're all screens, and they only go for two yards apiece. That guy's going to get, like, 20 freaking points? Yes. Really? Ten, for doing ten catches a is a great job. The I mean, maybe of a wide receiver and a running back is to matriculate the ball down the field, to paraphrase Hank Strand. That's right. Maybe, right. Uh, maybe he has a bad... I mean, we can't fault the pass catchers for Seattle when they have no – they can't help. You know, maybe the pass was off. Maybe the defense jumped it. You just got to get something. <laughs> Catching a ball leads to yards, which leads to your points. It's like in a basketball game. Personally, so I don't mind – I mean, I'm cool with the half PPR. Instead of going full, if that's a, I'm cool with that. I mean, I think like a basketball be the league that gives you the as many points for taking a shot as scoring. You can't score unless you shoot a damn basketball. So you're going to double up the points? No, that would just be like handing the ball off. That's not right. shooting the ball is not is not the is not a positive action. Shooting, Catching shooting the, football the ball is the pass itself. The completion is the scoring. Right, so you're going to give a, a guy a point for a bucket made and the points that it scores? Well, technically, in basketball, you give two points. Your battleship <laughs> is sunk. Exactly. So you're, yes! you're doubling up the points for no reason for a guy doing his job. It's all doing their job. The quarterback's job is to throw the football. He gets points for it. Fantasy he football doesn't get points unless the yards are there. Hell. It's fantasy football is going to be a little different, cells. You don't get points from a quarterback unless the wide receiver or running back per, or tight end produce yards. You don't get points for completing a pass. This is this has gone too deep. I was just trying to be funny. Yeah. See, thanks a lot, Rod. <laughs> and your dog is raising its paw, and clearly, oh, yeah. he's with yeah. you on that one. Brent, would you, you have anything okay? to comment on this? <laughs> I just want to say that when people call in to SiriusXM and, you know, have questions about their team, that so many people think of PPR as the go-to that people refer to it as standard PPR scoring. (laughs) (laughs) The people who call that also say PPR, which quarterback should I use? So 
Right. But PPR is such the in move at the moment that I think you have to go with PPR. You know, so I really right. like your I like your substandard. You're Thanks. so right. Well, first of all, substandard. I'm saying that tonight on Alarm After Hours, and I'm giving you all the credit for that, Ryan. All right. The, and Britt, that you're so right about that. As someone who has worked on fantasy sports radio for about 12 years since its launch date, there are so many people that call in that say, the standard PPR question. And you're like, wait, which is it? I think of that as like, oh, okay, a routine PPR question. Okay, maybe an either or, and it's something that's totally complicated. So, yeesh, <laughs> yeesh. Look at you, Ryan. See, you made an impact. You're trying to be funny, and it let us down an entire rabbit hole. Fun Hooray. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the get rid of stuff for fantasy leagues when it comes to league rules. And this one is pretty much low-hanging fruit, but it still exists, and it still actually is the default on a lot of the free sites. Waiver priority. What are we doing? No more waiver priority, only to decide a tiebreaker between fab bids. And then what happens is if you win the tiebreaker, you go to the back of the line, and you're going to move up. What The whole sitting on that number one claim is a strategy. Some people might wait the entire season. And I just don't get it. I think Fab is the way to go when picking up players off of waivers. And I just don't understand what the allure of waiver priority is, besides the fact that it's easier to just click on a player and that's it, rather than think of a dollar amount and spend the extra 10 seconds thinking about that. What, what yeah, you mostly say? with you, I will say, though, that the number one waiver priority if somebody's going to sit on it and use it as a strategy, doesn't matter if you have the number two. Because if you know they're doing it, then you're de facto number one. You don't know they're doing it, though. Your head, there it's a shadow hanging over your head the entire year if you're number two. So keep putting in bids. Right. Said number two. <laughs> you know what I mean. I, I hear you on that. I mean, I'm mostly with you on the fab, right? I'm mostly there. I'm just saying that it's a fun strategy to have. Tells woke I, up and chose violence today, just going devil's advocate on everybody. Yeah. It's fun to take devil's advocate on stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no, but what I'm actually doing is I'm trying to get, like, this the whole Twitter take of, you don't have enough of this guy, but nobody <laughs> provides any stats or relevant data or any reason why you should be higher on so-and-so, right? And so everybody spits out, we should get rid of the scoring, but but why? We should get rid of waiver priority, but why? Back it up, make an argument, and maybe I'll see it. Maybe I won't. But I mean, there's no facts. It's just preference. I'll make an argument for it because I like to stream defenses. And every time I stream defenses, I always get knocked to the bottom of waiver priority. And I think that's stupid. I, nobody would spend money on defenses and then I would still be able to get players that I want to. And especially in these really deep, heavy leagues, like defenses are so hit and miss. I don't want to spend, you know, draft capital on a good defense. I want to play matchups. And so I would rather use fab than waiver priority because then I'm always stuck at the bottom and maybe I'm just hurt by it and being salty, but. 
That's fair. However, I will say if you're in a league where once waivers go, everybody's a free agent, then usually defenses are there just yeah, for the, that's for yeah, the that's the, unless there's just unless it's just fab all the time. You can, get, and, you can get away with that though for the first few weeks before people start catching up. Like let's say there's a defense out there that you wouldn't expect to be good and they've had a mediocre schedule and they've actually shown up in four of the or three of the first four matchups. Then maybe that's coming off a very strong performance and you've seen some consistency, then you might be able to get away with that and where you're like, hey, maybe you should put an extra buck on this defense just so you could secure it. After about week five or six, it's just, you know, that's kind of how I handle it. At least whatever is out there after waivers run, then that's where I'm picking from. Yeah. I mean, I'm mostly with you with Fab. I just think it's a fun little strategy to have if you can hold the number one for like, the, the key running back that shows up that everybody's going to want. Right. I hear you. This is why we always say fantasy football. All these are just opinions. Fantasy football, play however you have fun playing the game. Just play it. That's what we're all about here. Britt Flynn, you can follow her on Twitter at Britt underscore Flynn, F-L-I-N-N. Catch her on the lightning round live stream every week, fantasyalarm.com along with the reasonable one, Kevin Tompkins, Andrew Cooper. Britt, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you guys for having me. Y'all are always a blast. Thank you. Check is in the mail for you saying that, by the way. You can follow <laughs> Ryan Hallam on Twitter, at Fighting Chance. Follow Matt Sells, at The Salesman. I'm Justin Fensterman, at Fenstie Sports. I said it once, I'll say it again. A family that sticks together wins together. <laughs>